Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Well, we are back again. And here is a lady that William Conger says has the the best laugh. It's Nothing, the accent. Nothing's like the laugh of a South African. South African. <laughs> oh my God, that's awful. You'll get to right. hear that. You'll get to hear that in the in the interview we do with Bill Conger coming up in the show. We start with John Cuvion about the elections. We talk about the presidential election. Bobby Jindal getting out of that race. <sighs> and um, the race <laughs> for governor. This, yeah, that's all. It's been a long week. That's been a long week. The race for governor and uh, lieutenant governor. Good conversation. He's actually going to give you his prediction, which might surprise a lot of people. And with Captain Conger, we spend a great amount of time talking about uh, the the terrorist attacks in Paris. That's such a shame. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is, and I was talking to Bill about it, all it did was just make me angry. Because you think about all of the innocent people who were just out going about their day, living their lives. Yeah, there was even a South African girl, 22. Um, she was there. She said that um, in that hour, she pretended to be dead. I, mean, I saw the video yeah, of that, of her crazy, talking yeah. about it. And so we talk about all of the other conversations we're having. We should be talking about getting rid of the people who want to do this. Right. And, and I said in the interview with Bill that, and he agrees, I don't hate or have any, it's not, for me, it's not an issue of, of Islam. No, I don't. It's, it's just killing in general. Like it's, the whole, yeah, it's, it's it's just the people who use that right. as their cover to do what they want to do, and so that's the that's the discussion. Let's catch these son of a guns and then bitches, yeah, son of a bitches, <laughs> and 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 put them down because that's what we ought to be doing. And so Bill gets into it, and then we talk about. I don't know how we ended up on an island somewhere, <laughs> but you'll hear that in the discussion. So we'll be back in just a, after we talk with uh, Bill and John Cuvion, we'll come back and wrap up the show in just a bit. Stay right where you are. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. So as promised, back again with John Cuvion, pollster, political, oh gosh, there's so many adjectives that are positive that I could use to describe this guy in an industry where you can't say much positive about people, but... How about the numbers guy? That he is the numbers guy, <laughs> and uh, so let's start first up, before we get to the local elections, as people are hearing this, we are. this is launching on Wednesday night and Thursday morning. Uh, we officially know now that Bobby Jindal has ended his candidacy for the White House. I think yes. we all saw that coming. Yes. I thought he might try to stretch it out as much as he can until uh, till Iowa. But, I mean, that's two months, almost two and a half months away. Right. So money is probably an issue. Any reflection on the failed Jindal presidential candidacy? Well, I admire somebody for tenaciousness, mm -hmm. but 
when you were barely scraping along at 1% and you were about to be kicked out of even the kitty table, yeah. so to speak, you know, you know, that's what was coming, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it, I beat me to it, but right. that was going to be the I personally thought he was going to hang on to at least the Louisiana primary. But the thing was, there was kind of, in my opinion, a defying gravity mentality about the whole campaign. Yeah. It'd be one thing if he was catching on in Iowa, displacing mm-hmm. Ben Carson, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he was basically fighting to be relevant in one state. That's right. And that to me is, you know, I, there was always that fine line between wanting to hang in there when things are tough and foolishly hanging in there. And I think the latter was the case in this candidacy. And don't you think, John, that Iowa is no longer the key signifier of who the nominee will be? Iowa, you know, it's kind of It's important, but it's, it's not it's, like it's it was. It's a state. But, you know, the, the, my attitude about Iowa is this. It's stereotypically becoming a representation of one wing of the Republican Party. Christian conservative. Correct. Mm -hmm. The thing is, Christian conservatives are certainly an integral part of the Republican coalition, but they by themselves cannot select a Republican nominee, much less the president. Mm -hmm. I I agree with you. And, you know, after the elections were over, John and I were talking off the air about a show in the future with... Tom Shedler and us kind of going through the numbers. And one of the parts of this we'll keep him out of because he is the sitting secretary of state is you and I getting into the minutia of the multi-dimensional Republican Party, the multi-dimensional Democratic Party. Right. And just kind of talk about uh, why Republicans are having such a tough time now getting the base to coalesce behind one person. But I wanted to ask you that. Let me ask one more presidential question before Certainly. we get to the Louisiana stuff. What's your ref- Hillary Clinton will be the nominee yes. for the Democrats. No doubt about it. In fact, I was reading the other day that Martin O'Malley is now pulling back one of her Democratic competitors. Anytime politicians start talking about concentrating their resources, reallocating their resources, yada, 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 that's basically them circling. They're circling around the drain. And I think yeah. that's what's happening with O'Malley. The reality is you didn't really have, in my opinion, once Joe Biden dropped mm-hmm. out, a top-tier Democrat to nope. take on Hillary. So she, she'll be the nominee. She will be the nominee. Bernie Sanders, I mean, he should have had some Hillary pom-poms at the first <laughs> debate. Yeah. And I think she'll be the nominee. On the Republican side, it is much more of a question. And I don't think anybody really knows. I don't buy for a second that the Jeb Bush is dead narrative that many in the national media want to push out there. I think it's still very early and a lot of these candidates will fall away. Someone's going to have a big gaffe along the way, as is such the case. Yes. What about the Republicans as as a first question and as a as a one A to that your reaction to Trump's 95 minute monologue a couple of days ago so the the, right there's two parts to your question when i think about what's going to happen with the republicans you're going to have an establishment candidate versus a non-establishment candidate right the non-establishment candidate i'm still keeping my eye on believe it or not is ted cruz he's well funded okay he has appealed to a broad spectrum of non-establishment republicans such as uh the evangelicals the tea partiers And he's well-funded. So I certainly would not count him out. Now, What about Kasich? You know, Kasich, to me, had his moment in the sun a few months ago. But he's been saying, in my opinion, some very bizarre things that are more critical about the Republican Party than necessary. He strikes me as a Republican who doesn't realize that the ground has shifted beneath him. Mm -hmm. And 
It's one thing to disagree with what's happening with the Republican Party, but just this negative downbeat of criticism, plus he doesn't really come across to me and to be in debate as very forceful and articulate. Yeah. He, he seems more rambling. A little bit of that. And he's someone who's done television, so it's disappointing that point. Uh, he, about him that he's, he, you know, he worked at Fox News for a yes. while before becoming the governor of Ohio, a very important state along the way for the Republicans, by the way. Yes. Ben Carson continues to toggle between 1 and 1A with Donald Trump at the top of the ticket. Right. I think a lot of that is this, the sheer force of the man's personality. He is truly a decent person that we all know to be a brilliant man. Yes. And in this stage of the political race, you can get away with not having second, third, fourth, fifth level knowledge of policy. But when something like Paris happens, it does expose his lack of, of depth in those areas. Yes. Now, I happen to believe that a, a person who is a neophyte who immerses himself or herself in the minutia of politics can at least gain enough credibility with the public to be kept at the table. Because we, we know, you and I know, that no matter what you think you know, once you are sworn in as president, everything that you thought you knew is generally wrong. Absolutely. Do you think he has done that, Carson? The thing about the thing to me about the Carson campaign, I will admit being in the doubting Thomas camp about mm -hmm. him, because what I'm seeing is somebody I could appreciate that a non-political type being a neophyte about mm -hmm. policy issues. What's more important to me is do you have the desire to grow and learn? Yeah. In other words, develop your perfect example. When George W. Bush was running for governor of Texas back in 1994, mm -hmm. What's kind of interesting now that people don't remember is that when Karl Rove started out with him in 1993, he did very he did terribly with the media. He had very limited knowledge of anything. Yeah, but Karl, he was very raw. Yes, he was and he very, was running against a Texas legend. Yes, she was presumably thought of as almost like a Democratic heir apparent, yeah, and a superstar. Yep. But what happened was that Karl Rove brought in some some heavyweights on various policy matters, you know, Republicans in the legislature, mm -hmm. policy wonks, and so forth. Right. He tutored George W. Bush on various issues like education, school finance, and so forth. The other thing he did, which I thought was very, he, Karl Rove, did, which I thought was very smart, he sent Bush to the smaller media markets. In other words, like the Texas. Boot camp. Yes, boot camp. Yeah. The idea being, if you blundered in Lufkin, Texas, nobody would Nobody's notice. Nobody's going to know. Whereas if you blundered in Austin. Right. And so... Basically, George Bush built up George W. Bush built up a level of confidence mm -hmm. about his media abilities mm -hmm. under the radar. And once, and this was a year in advance. Once it became time for the big time, George W. Bush was prepared because he had been boning up on various policy matters. Absolutely, that to me is what Ben Carson needs to do. In my personal opinion, he he thus far strikes me as someone he's a soft-spoken, good guy, mm -hmm. but. He's almost coming across as Sarah Palin-ish. I, I would agree with that, that, it, that there is a movement behind him is because he is the somebody else yes. in the race. Trump has gotten a lot of that, but I think a lot of that's falling away, and Trump draws attention now in the way that people go to see a stand-up comedian. Exactly. I think more and more people are not going to take him as seriously as— I saw him on Sean Hannity yesterday talking about Paris— and it looked like a Saturday Night Live skit hmm. and a parody of an interview. 
where the first thing he says about the president is he, his temperament. His, it's like, I get that. You do have to have the right temperament for the job. But this is serious stuff. Right. Okay. And it's more about the energy level of the person giving the speech is do you know what the hell you are talking about? Right. Can you master a strategy that is effective enough to keep American lives safe? Right. Not how fast your speech cadence is. With Carson, you mentioned Palin. I think there's a little bit of that. The difference is no one questions his intellect because he was a neurosurgeon who worked on babies. So you know that he's smart. But do you have the capacity to lead? He's smart, but is he politically smart? Yeah. Because here's the unpleasant truth. And you know me, Clay. I don't mind mentioning unpleasant truths on your show. Who are you talking to? I mean, really? (laughs) We're kind of in the same boat there, right? We are. (laughs) And yet we're still in business. That's right. (laughs) But but no, my, my thing about Carson is this. If you dislike the political system, okay, that's fine. There, there is a political market for that. However, there is a certain song and dance that's required to mm-hmm. succeed in the political arena. And in my opinion, Carson has not yet stepped up to the ball game. No. no. Not yet. He's got he's got money behind him. He's yeah, got people. He's got time. The Christian conservative wing of the Republican Party, they're in love with him. His response to Trump's broadside from a few days ago what his first response was i'm just going to pray for him which actually is a very smart i do give kudos to carson for using that response because i think the worst thing you could do with donald trump is to try to go tit for tat with him donald trump to me is a one-trick pony as in all he knows how to do is insult people with that sour face of his why do you think he went after carson which heretofore he's always said I'm a counterpuncher. Right. That I only go after people who hit me first. Carson has not done that. Why do you think he's dived on him? Do you think he's concerned about Carson supplanting him as the other guy in the race? In other words, what, what's happened in the Republican nomination thus far, which is what happened in 2011, is that you have a flavor of a month yeah. with a rotating cast of characters. Yeah. Donald Trump basically owned the summer. I think he sees now that he's not the fresh face anymore. No. He sees Carson as a legitimate threat yeah. and therefore he's going to attack him. At some point though, he's got, I, I do think Trump is serious about running for president. Yes. I, people say he's not, I think he's serious, but I don't think he has taken seriously as you say, the things, the song and dance that you have to do. I also don't believe that it's a guarantee that he won't run as a third party candidate. I do believe he is perfectly capable of saying screw the deal i signed yes i'm running the people want me to run in fact that's one of the biggest fallacies is to assume that once a candidate has quote unquote signed a deal <laughs> that he or she isn't going to try to wiggle out it's politics yeah uh, remember four years ago i got the job i want same kind of thing <laughs> as i almost spit out my drink here so uh we talked about, what about rubio rubio who's attacking Cruz, by the way now yes you know, Ru- and you know, it's funny you mention that. So when I was talking about the establishment versus the non-establishment, mm-hmm. at first I was thinking, okay, the establishment would only support like a George, uh, Jeb Bush or right. John Kasich, but you know, Rubio they're to falling me, in love with him. Yep, and Rubio, let's face it, he has a lot of things to the table that he brings. You know, minority, course, he's yep. young, swing state, uh, swing state, big big state. He articulates conservative values in a non-threatening way. Right. In other words. Rather than, you know, making fun of Megyn Kelly or, you know, talking about Hispanics in a derogatory way and so forth, Marco Rubio, to me, can articulate conservative principles in a right. way that doesn't scare people. You know, I think that I, I, I think he, Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz, mm-hmm. a Chris Christie, 
can probably hang on for a while. Yes. Trump and Carson have so much money they can stay as long as they want to until the numbers say otherwise. Right. I think Carson likely is going to win Iowa. It would be consistent with the way that they've. I'm not saying that he right. that he will definitely. I'm saying he's he's got to be considered the favorite right now with the way Iowa has gone the last you know two three election cycles. Wouldn't you agree? To some extent, and I think too, Bobby Jindal's exit from the race. I think that the next two who are likely casualties, in my opinion, would be Mike Huckabee and Rick Santorum. Is Lindsey Graham still running? <laughs> Surprisingly, yeah. You know, by the way, you mentioned it earlier. Jindal was on his way out with with these with the junior varsity debate. He was likely to be. I think he knew that he wasn't going to be able to be in even the JV debate. Right. And it's best to leave before you get embarrassed. And there's something to be said for leaving before it gets too ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. Leaving on your own terms, you go out a winner because you cannot have a field with as many candidates in it. Mm-hmm. Sup- be viable eternally. It, there's going to be a winnowing that's taking place. And if the media is going to start to increase the threshold as to who makes either the adults table, or the kids table, yeah. more people will drop out. And he likely will be, if a Republican wins the election, he likely will be on a list of potential cabinet oh, appointees. They just can't let him talk. He just doesn't do a good job of keeping his foot out of his own mouth. Speaking of which, let's talk about the governor's race. <laughs> so here it is, John. <laughs> Ten days ago, I would have said John Bell Edwards is going to become the governor and could anywhere between seven and 12 points beat David Vitter. Yes. Because of a combination of Republicans choosing John Bell over David and Republicans saying, I'm not voting for either of these guys and staying home. Well, that narrative is shifting a little bit because John Bell has had a pretty choppy seven day period. Right. Tell me about it. First of all, what did you think of my my analysis about where it was and then where it is now? I'm of the opinion that Edwards' lead was and is larger now. It's larger now? No, no, no. In the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I do agree it's tightened. The question is, has it tightened in a sufficient manner to where Vitter can win? I would assume he's still got to be five to seven points ahead even now. Oh, yeah. Because Republicans are still not yet sure. I'm thinking more like 10. 10 points ahead still, you think? The poll I did Saturday, I was out in the field Saturday mm-hmm. and Monday morning, okay. and it was a 16-point lead for John Bell Edwards. The thing Statewide? I, correct. Okay. 29% black electorate, which is, I think... You have several things going on. Number one, there's going to be an energized Democratic electorate, which is easily worth a point or two on John Bell Edwards' total relative to what he got in the primary. Mm-hmm. Number two, you still have a lot of disaffected Republicans. A perfect example, when, I was, when I've been walking around my neighborhood, one of the things I noticed right away, and this is a moderately conservative area, mm-hmm. you have two Edwards signs, a Darden sign still up, no Vitter signs. That, to me, speaks volumes because this precinct did very well for Jay Darden in the primary. Can I throw this at you? You may. What about the number of people who don't want it known that they're going to vote for David Vitter but will not vote for John Bell because of the letter next to his name? So I think that that constituency would be more of the Angel people than the Darden people. Okay. A lot of and now this is anecdotal. Okay. A lot of people I've talked to who said they voted for Jay Darden in the primary, I would say it was more of a Democratic group than a Republican group. Ah. People more moderate. Hmm. And when Jay Darden endorsed Edwards, that to me was giving a green light 
just like when Romer and Treen endorsed Edwin Edwards back on the Edwards Duke runoff 24 years ago. Yeah. And the thing about green lights is once you kind of give the quote unquote okay for voters to go a certain way, you tend to have kind of a herd effect going on. What do you think the impact of the Darden endorsement was on moderate Republicans and those? Yeah, I I tend to believe so as well. People have minimized it, but Jay Darden is pretty popular. He is. And, you know, the thing thing that struck me most about the Vitter campaign's reaction to it, so I was at the debate Monday night. And oh, the, the WrestleMania oh, that almost happened in unbelievable. there? That's it's, a shame, too. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, that should not have been allowed on either side because yeah. it, it takes away from the debate. Now, the funny thing is, for those who are watching on TV, they had the microphone volume proportionally higher than the crowd volume. Okay. But I could tell you, being there in person, at one point during a couple exchanges, I could not hear what either candidate was saying. Because of the crowd. Yes, it was very loud. I mean, they were reaching across the moderators, kind of gesturing at one another. Yeah, which that's, is kind that's of, inappropriate. You know, you can't be doing that. But I think, you know, in, in television, now people want the show. That's why Trump is so popular. That's why you get 20 million plus people watching these debates. Right. But for those of us who really want to know, how are you, we got, we, we've got major financial issues on the horizon for Louisiana. Yes. Higher education, health care infrastructure, the way the state deals with businesses. Senator Vitter is already talking about getting a, getting rid of um, credits and getting w- rid of uh, loopholes and things that, to me, uh, are tantamount to tax increases, but he doesn't think that's the case. Right. Both candidates are guilty of, yeah. th- if there's going to be backdoor tax increases. No question. Because, you know, like, for instance, when Representative Edwards was talking about taking away the federal income tax deduction, that's basically a tax increase. Just right. It's just a backdoor way to do it. So if you had to predict, because I think weather may play a part in this, the, the forecast as we sit here recording this now is about a 50% chance of rain and 65 degree temperatures. So right. it's going to be cool and wet outside. Uh, and there is no tailgating Saturday. Right. So... You have the what complication of a 2.30 game Saturday. Yeah. Well, here's the way I look at it. So going, going back to the debate example, so once you get past the crowd noise, I was kind of watching the candidates' performance. Mm-hmm. I thought that in the beginning it was a very nasty slugfest, and Vitter, I saw his face turning red and it getting ugly nasty. But, you know, later on in the debate, there was a part where John Bell paid Vitter a compliment, and you could tell it genuinely moved David Vitter. And from that point, I thought that Vitter was much What was more, the compliment? It uh, had to do with um, Vitter's serious sin, and John Bell basically said something about, you know, forgiving him or something like that. And, and He had to do that, you know. Oh, yeah. He was becoming annoying to people with the whole prostitution thing. It's like, what are you going to do about raising uh, yeah. taxes or fixing higher education? Well, I'm not going to sleep with prostitutes. Yeah, it's like, I, you know, at some point you got to say you got to say more than that. To me, you have to be more subtle in that kind yeah, of attack. And yeah. I think John Bell was pu- pushing the envelope, which is something I pulled on. But that's another subject for another day. <laughs> but, you know, he had to in politics. What he did is what you do. Right. I mean, it's not ugly. It's not uh, uh, pretty. It is ugly. We get it. But he didn't. He. It's what people do. Right. But to me, talking about pro- uh prostitutes over patriots that to me was pushing the envelope yeah the poll i did showed that that and the vitter ad where he was you know talking about failing his family yeah they didn't move votes per se as they did solidify the bases yep in other words prostitutes over politics only excited democrats uh failing your family only excited republicans Mm -hmm. the the great middle white dems and white independents Mm -hmm. didn't matter so 
going back to the, the debate, and this is leading into the what I think will happen this Saturday. So, you know, like I said, Vitter started off poorly. He ended up much better, and he was looser and smiling and, you know, being heartfelt with the audience, which I thought was entirely what he should be doing, uh-huh. really what he should have done in August, but that's a different matter. Uh-huh. But one thing that Vitter did, which I thought was not a correct communication from the campaign, when the question came up about the Darden endorsement, Vitter dismissed it as, well, Darden's not a real Republican. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing that's hurt him, that right, kind of attitude. Because here's, here's the thing, and I always you know, have to tell Republicans this, and maybe 10% of the time they listen, is that... That high, you think? <laughs> 11. <laughs> Margin of error. But the thing is this. What you say within the Republican base is entirely different than rhetoric you use to attract white Democrats and yeah. white independents. In my opinion, dismissing Darden with an ugly remark is a partisan attack that would not attract white Dems or white independents where Vitter is well behind. Yeah, not doing so well with, you know, with, with the women in those groups as well. And right. it doesn't exactly follow uh, Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment. Exactly. Which Republicans nowadays don't seem to remember. Okay, so who wins? Edwards, 56-44. 56-44. Nungesser gets 56 to 57 as well. Okay, that was going to be my next question. A pretty quiet race. They agreed not to sling mud at one another, right. which is mutually beneficial, by the way. <laughs> yeah, after what happened in the primary. <laughs> I think both of them wanted to stay away from that with Elbert Guillory dropping the N-word and right. then John Young spending a trillion dollars trying to rip down. But I thought John Young was going to do a lot better. He's a you know strong businessman, reputation yeah. and all, and... I was that I was actually surprised at that. Well, I just think what happened in the Young Nungesser race, and for disclosure's sake, I was John Young's pollster. Sure. So I was I was doing weekly polls. You could literally see after each candidate was dumping money on the media or changing an ad or what have you, the numbers were jumping up and down. In other words, they were very inelastic. I think what happened though is in the long run, Nungesser had more resources to compete than Young did. And I estimated too that the bad weather which was in the western part of the state on Election yeah. Day, it cost John Young, I estimated, 4,000 of the 11,000 mm. votes that he missed making yeah. runoff. Because North Louisiana got hammered earlier in the day. And then, right. like you said, it was in the western part of the state. All right, so we'll see what happens this Saturday for Election Day. And don't listen, don't say, oh, well, we, we don't get to hear from John Cuvion again anytime soon. <laughs> see if I can talk him into coming back next week to kind of do a postmortem on the, on the election on Saturday. Maybe... Uh, Maybe we can talk him into that. I'll, I'll work on that for you guys. Uh, tell people again how they can reach you, learn more about you. Certainly. So my website is winwithjmc.com. I post content regularly on there, and I have a Facebook page, That's which right. is JMC Enterprises. I also have a Twitter handle, which is at winwithjmc. So that's how I, you know, communicate various things I see, and I try I try very hard to stick to the data and not do punditry. Well, you do it well. Uh, you're one of the very few, and I mean less than five people that I would put my name behind as a political intellectual because it's bad now. We're going to do a show talking about how bad it is now with people who are muddying the water so much where there was an aspect of politics that was negative campaigning. Now it's becoming the whole show. And I think that we are ending up with candidates that surprise us because we're thinking, I didn't know that about them. Well, no one was asking. Yeah. And that's a shame. John Cuvion, folks. Thanks, John. Pleasure. William Conger is up next. Have you ever wanted to host your own podcast? Coming soon, Clay Young Enterprises and Podcast 225 will be giving you your big chance. 
You'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment to create a podcast that you can be proud of. You'll have an engineer and a professional show open and close. The Clay Young Show is already considered one of the best podcasts in the state. Get the same audio quality and professional packaging for your very own podcast. Stay tuned for more details. Your chance to have your own show is coming soon. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Back with retired Army Captain William Conger. He was with us last week. We talked about his time in the military and working with military veterans uh, with, with a number of organizations and things that he's done. And in lieu of our conversation last week, we were going to talk again. Little did either one of us know that the weekend would begin with these terrorist attacks in Paris by ISIS, a growing threat, and I wanted to get you back on to talk first about that and then spend some time talking about our reaction to it uh, and what we should be thinking about the Syrian refugee issue that's hanging above the, the country now with a number of governors, eight or nine of them now, saying we don't want them in our state, and I think that number is likely going to grow. But let's start with the the incidents in Paris on Friday from all of the different venues and all of the style of attacks from guns to bombs to all of that. What was your reaction? Cause mine was extreme pissed offness. If I could use that word. First of all, I'd like to say thank you for having me back this you week. It. I really enjoyed last week. Um, yeah, man, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't know if shocked is the right word. Um, I, you know, obviously, I'm shocked um, about the attacks. Um, I, I guess surprised, no. Um, you know, we're we're starting to see this more on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the uh, chatter that's out there that's being reported, you know, by by various news outlets, you know, indicates you know that that these are coming. These things are happening. It was interesting yesterday. I was I was reading one of the uh, uh, news media reports, and it was talking about how, um, you know, in May it was identified that there was going to be an attack uh, in the West, mm-hmm. and and it was in relation to the the key suspect, you know, mm-hmm. the the uh, alleged, which I hate that word alleged. Either you do it or you don't, um, and in this fact, this you know, the the mastermind of the the Paris attacks. Uh, was part of that that chatter, and um, you know, I, I think more so than not, um, you know, my my surprise is not the attack so much as the reaction. How so? Um, you know, from a political perspective, uh, the president of the United States, um, you know, the the Secretary of State, um, and their comments, um, you know, how they react. Uh, the president saying that it was a setback. Um, that's crap. And, I, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> There's some other choice words I could say. <laughs> it's a podcast. You <laughs> can say whatever you, know, you want to yeah, say. But it's you <laughs> one know, of the few places the FCC doesn't have control. Yeah. To, to say that it was a setback is, to me, number one, it's a slap in the face of those, yeah. uh, those uh, you know, of the French. Yeah. And, and uh, of the people that. Uh, you know, here in the United States and globally that, that are connected with France, you know, obviously from a political perspective, we've had a longstanding relationship uh-huh. with, with France uh, as an ally. 
And when you have the, the most powerful man in the world, the, the leader of the free world, saying that, you know, this attack is a setback, when we've been at war with these people, and you can say it's with ISIS or ISIL, whatever, you know, the, the White House is calling them today, uh, or, you know, with the Taliban or with uh, al-Qaeda, whoever it is, I mean, in, in the last 15 plus years, Longer just, than that, and yeah. then, yeah, it, it has been, but just in the last 15 yeah. plus years, you know, where these entities, uh, you know, have been, we've been at war with, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I, I think even more so what really is troubling to me is that the country's not doing anything about it. And, it, and you know, it, it has to do with the administration. And, you know, I don't think that we need to be a police uh, state. I don't think we need to rush into everybody's, no. you know, conflicts and right. all of that. But at the end of the day, we're talking about an, an ally that we have a NATO alliance with and yep. an obligation in black and white, which the French have invoked, uh, particularly with the EU, uh, to go and and support them. And it, even though we're not in the EU, there's still an ally. And some people will say, well, you know, we've always rushed to the aid of the French. Well, yeah, let's let's not be stupid about that and, and make stupid comments. We've, we've gone to the aid of the French, one, because they're our ally, yeah. and two, because of the strategic location in the, the demographic area that they sit. It's in our interest to it be is. involved it is very in much this so. because ISIS ultimately wants to hit us here and they've put us on notice this week that they want to strike America at its heart in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and, and look, that's nothing new. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I mean... The, but, the, but they but keep reminding us that that's what us. they want. And, and look, how many... And we're not going to know how many times... You know, they threaten us. Oh, sure. That, that stuff's not going to come out. Right. But in, in the threats that do get released, you know, if we could go back and look at those and see how many credible threats there have been and action has either been taken to thwart those, mm-hmm. okay, incidents, you know, the shoe bomber or the underwear bomber, what, you know, I mean, all of these things or the ones that have actually taken place, you know, and... Um, to, to go into a sense of relaxed atmosphere, if you will, you know, by the political oso that, that runs this country is absurd to me. I, I don't understand it. it. To me, this isn't political, okay? They want a caliphate. They want a religious end. Right. That is what they are targeting. I think we there is this, this rampant lur, uh, lurch forward to exonerate Islam as a faith and say that this is not Islam. Listen, I, I don't even want to have that debate. Yeah. Here's what I will tell you, that most of the people who are doing this, and actually, as far as I know, all of the people who are doing this practice some version of Islam. Does that mean for me personally, if I know someone practices or is a practitioner of Islam, that I'm going to think they're a terrorist? No, because I've got common sense, right. like most people, right? right? Exactly. But I can't ignore what the reality is. You can't ignore it. It is based upon religious purposes. They say that. It's not an assumption. I'm not being xenophobic or racist or prejudiced. It's what they say. 
So why don't we just take that off the table and quit spending so much time talking about that? For the most part, these people are Muslim, okay? But I wouldn't give a damn if they were Christian, Catholic, Buddhist, uh, if they were Sikhs, whatever. It didn't matter what group they come from. For me, if you want to kill Americans, we should eliminate the problem. Absolutely. And Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. And, and look, um, I, you know, we mentioned last week, a spade's a spade. <laughs> yeah. There, you know, the, there aren't Christians that are rising up you know, in, in the Middle East right. with, with, with these fanatical sure. you know, jihadists. Uh, matter of fact, the Christians are being slaughtered, being eliminated. I, I think if we kind of look at that in comparison to Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. okay, and with the Jews, you know, I mean, there's, what's the difference, okay? It is a cleansing, uh, you know, whether it's happening today or mm-hmm. whether it happened with Hitler, you know, back in the day. You know, there there aren't any Jews or Buddhists or any other religion that I'm aware of that is shoulder to shoulder with these extremists that, you know, are fighting against us. It's That's not happening. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're exactly right. And, you know, what really, what really bothers me also is, and, and people will say, well, you know, the Christians did it back, you know, during the Crusades. I don't even get but, that but argument. But you know, you know what? It, uh, yeah, I don't either. Okay, but okay. Let, so let's 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 dumb it Jeez. down and get on that level and say, well, okay, you're right. But guess what? The the Crusades ended, and and turn the turn the page, new chapter. Today, That's right. this is this has been going on. Let's talk about today. You know, the the establishment of, of caliphates and and you know this this radicalism. It's not new. No, it's it been isn't going new. for thousands of years. We should deal with it yes. instead of trying to make some correlation to the past to say, yeah, I am not saying every Muslim is a terrorist. I don't no, think not that at all. At all. No. I don't think it. I, I, there, I don't have a litmus test about what people believe or don't believe. Right. I really don't care, man. It just means if you are a zealot of that order and you have bought into that form of ideology, you got to go. You got to go. And it's like spending all of this other egghead time talk. Well, you know, let's talk about the. (laughs) Meanwhile, they're blowing up women and children. Yeah. And they're telling you as rational as you are, if I can get you in a room, I'll chop your head off, too. And don't think for a minute that they wouldn't. That that is absolutely what they, they would. They are in their mind. That is what they are to do, according to uh, you know some ill-conceived understanding of the the Quran and, and the teachings of Muhammad. And uh, you know, uh, not all Muslims. Or but most people don't. You know? I don't think most people think that way. I think that there are people who are afraid. Yeah. I do think fear eliminates ration a lot of Absolutely. times. When you're afraid, you don't think rationally. You're just reacting based upon the emotion of the moment. Yeah. And we're all human. It's what happens, right? And then sometimes you can overreach. And when you come to your senses, you go, okay, well, let me be, let's be rational about this. In the, right now in Paris... I can imagine, just like after 9-11, anybody who looks like a Muslim might have some trouble on the streets of Paris, France, just like here in the country because people are afraid. It happens. But the leaders don't do anybody any favors by jumping into that debate. What you should be saying is we are trying as hard as we can to isolate any member 
or potential member of this group. And if we find you, we're whacking you. Yeah. Pretty much it. And we don't care what you are. But I heard the president's comments in Turkey about this. And it's like, why is this a part of the debate? There shouldn't be a debate. The, the facts are there. The actions are taking place. The inactions of our leadership are also taking place. Let me tell you. So it, it didn't just end on the 11th, okay? Last night, you know, there were, there were explosions and a suicide, Absolute, you know, suicide bomber. A, a woman blew herself up. You know, uh, a couple of other, you know, suspected terrorists. You know, we're killed as well. <laughs> Which I, I, I mean, somebody blows himself yeah, up in a place. You know, <laughs> it's no longer alleged. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, so this is this is not this is not something that's just an isolated incident. This right. keeps happening over and over and over again. Let me tell you, you don't jack around with Russia, and you don't jack around with the French or anybody else in 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 Europe. Okay, you know, the the Russians. It's been determined yeah, that, that the play, Russians. Oh yeah. You know, that, that plane was brought down yeah. by a bomb. It saw, took, it you took, saw Putin's response, took, right? Yeah. You know what his response was? Going in there, kicking their ass <laughs> two exactly days later. Right. And you know what? The French did the same thing. They're yeah. still doing the same yeah. thing. And, yeah. and it's ongoing today. What's Has Putin had a press conference? I don't think he had a press conference. And he doesn't have time to have a press conference. He's talking to his people, telling them to fire and, you know, to shoot and do all these right. things. And riding his horse shirtless. The, the, yeah, there is that. Okay, so, but, you know, when the press secretary of, of the current administration says in a statement, and you can go to foxnews.com and, and all the other uh, .coms out there. You don't have to just look at Fox. Um, he says, we need to not focus on the, the statements or the words of the president in this case, talking about how it was a setback, but we need to focus on his actions and what he is doing. Let me tell you something, friend. In your case, as a leader of the free world, the old adage is, actions speak louder than words. As the President of the United States, most Americans don't see or know about your actions. What they hear are, are your words. Your words. Yeah. And so when you say that an ally of ours being attacked by a fundamental jihadist group is a setback in the war on terrorism, that's bullshit. It is. And if, if your actions, by saying that we are not going to do anything about it or that we're only going to send 3,000 troops or that we're only going to send five, you know, 50 special operators over there, I'm going to tell you, I hate it for my brothers and sisters right now who are in that situation because they are outnumbered. I mean, it doesn't take a strategist to figure out how numb nuts of an idea that, I, that is. I think you're right. I think, and it, look, actions speak louder. You're right. People are frustrated now. They're worried right now. Right. The, has the president made some good decisions in areas? Absolutely. Listen, Absolutely. I always say about getting bin Laden, uh, because he did say that the other day, that you say, well, everybody would get bin Laden. You know, George W. Bush tried to get bin Laden, couldn't. Bill Clinton had him and said, I'm not interested. Stand down. Yeah, he was so, too busy in the Oval Office. Yeah, well, he had stuff going on. Yeah. So this president did pull the trigger and say, let's do it. If we're going to get him. Let's get him. But let's talk about today, right now. Tell me in your opinion, and maybe you don't see daylight between the two, but you would understand this better than most. The difference between an ISIS and an Al-Qaeda. 
do you see, obviously, zealots who want to murder Americans and anyone they disagree with, but do you see any nuance difference between the two of them, or are they kind of the same horse just wearing a different color or something? I think it's the same horse wearing a different okay, color. Okay, same thing. But you have to also look at the differences between the two uh, from a strategic perspective. Right. Okay. Um, and where they're launching and, from. And where they're launching mm-hmm. from. The ground that they have taken, I mean, the, the strategic geographical area uh, and the establishment of a caliphate, yeah. which is not, you know, their limit is not just Iraq and Syria. They want to take over the world. Yes. Uh, you know, and if, and if you don't think that, then, you know, a lobotomy may be a good idea. <laughs> With al-Qaeda... You know, the what we've seen is more localized. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say that they've not been involved in actions outside of their region. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly there's been influence, uh, you know, outside of it. Uh, right. We can go back to 9-11. Right, right. You know, but as far as the establishment of the, the caliphate and, and really that big push, the big recruiting push, mm-hmm. social media is huge. It, it, it It's troubling to see the numbers. Yes. You know, uh, when when countries report that there are 200 or 2,000 citizens, you know, that have gone to Syria, yeah. to you know, or to Iraq to, to fight along with, with, with ISIS, it amazes me how many women have gone. Uh, it amazes Absolutely. me how many veterans yeah. have gone not to fight against them, with the rebels, but to fight know, with them, fight you know, fight with them, and and it just why I, do you think that is? Why do you think they have been able to recruit uh, the way that they have been, and they're targeting younger and younger people who feel quote unquote disenfranchised? Why do you think they are having that success? Because the end result is you're going to blow up your blow yourself up and kill a bunch of people with you. So I'm I'm reading a, another news article yesterday. And the article was talking about how uh, at universities we're, we're starting to see, uh, instead of clapping for someone to, to celebrate good words or, or whatever it is, that people are now snapping, okay? And, and like they the, do in poetry yeah, yeah, yeah. places, okay? Yeah. And, and the, the reason, and I, and I don't have the names, I'd have to go back and look at it, but the, the reasons that were given one is that clapping invokes anxiety. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm sorry. What? I, you know, it invokes anxiety. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, I mean, uh, really? So, okay. So to answer your question, Wait a minute. no, 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 the snapping, I yeah, gotta know. Yeah, I gotta, yeah, yeah. so clapping invokes anxiety. Get, so snapping, clap, man, you so, gotta trigger right, my anxiety. Right. So snapping is what? Uh, it, I guess it is one. It's not as hard on on the hands. It was funny. The oh, article talks about oh, okay. it's on sensitive, non-working hands. Oh, okay, and okay. and then the snapping is is less aggressive. Uh, it is a lower pitch, and it doesn't trigger anxiety. Oh. So, but the the point of that clay is this. Boy, we're raising kids to be pansies, aren't we? Just no, I'm sorry. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, not at my house. Young. Mine so. For generations, this is nothing new. Uh, young people, particularly college age, oh, yeah. who are for the first time out of their parents' yeah. home, out from underneath their wing, yeah. and they are 
Um, Drinking from the chalice of independence. Yeah, and, and the chalice of everything else. <laughs> to be able to to go and be free and discover themselves, which which I respect and I appreciate. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, but they... <laughs> The amount of liberalism in our universities—we talked about this last week—it is—it's just—it's there. Okay, you have young men and women who are discovering themselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, internally and externally, and, and and I mean that in all all seriousness sure, is that sure. they they are developing and understanding themselves, their own ideology. Uh, about themselves, about society, about learning the to stand on their about own, the world. Uh, you know, yeah. absolutely. So, um, when when that is something that is well known, I mean, this has been going on forever. Oh, sure, okay. sure. If I know that as a terrorist, why not go after young people? Why who not are most go impressionable. after those who are most impressionable? And they want to rage against the machine. Yes, absolutely, and stand up. And and it's what's Funny is that too. I was reading another article the other day about how social media has not only helped with recruiting and you know all of the things that are involved with it, with getting the the you know supporters there to to fight with the terrorist. It was the article I was reading was talking about how women, particularly, were Western women, were going and they were tweeting or putting on message boards or what have you about how hot it is and how, uh, it, you know, they can't go to a good salon and this and that. And, uh, you know, it, it was not how it was projected to be in their recruitment. And let me tell you, join the military, your recruiters probably, and it, it, plenty of veterans listening I know that you <laughs> could say, yeah, my recruiter lied to me too. Same thing with the, you know, with uh, with yeah. ISIL, right? Yeah, you know, right. I mean, yeah. where are you going to go over there? I mean, they got plenty of sheep. That's, right. that's that's your only uh, your benefit. A, but yeah, come on over here to yeah. Baghdad. The weather's fine. You get all yeah. the sun you can handle. That's right. And, and um, you know, it's. Have you ever seen the Middle East? You know, I mean, they. Look, there. I have been to some beautiful places in oh, the yeah. Middle East. Oh, sure. But, but for the most part, man. It's hot, it's, brother. It's hot. It's desolate. Yeah. I mean, I've been in the Mojave Desert. <laughs> Guess what? It's hot and it sucks there, too. There's nothing there. Yeah. You know why? Because yeah. it's hot and it's all sand. You know, it's like going to the beach oh, with no man. ocean. So, I mean, it's, you know, and these, you know, so they're set up in, in an area where, uh, you know, there's no running water, or it's limited. No electricity, or it's limited. You know, the they're living in mud huts, or you know what? How? And it's not the same. Oh yeah. You know, it's there's not a Starbucks on on every corner. Oh no, you, you can't know? have a mocha not, latte or whatever. Yeah, the hell or it a, is. you know, you can go get a uh, a, a slappuccino, <laughs> but but that's it. You know, I mean, it. It, uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to trigger yeah, your anxiety yeah, no, no, there. No, no, no. God, God, man, a, come on. A slap of chino. I do think we have a winner. That's gonna yeah. ha- you're gonna hear that again. So yeah. I, you know, I mean, it's in, in so part of this delusional perspective that uh, these young people have, and it's look, you can equate it to you know people here, young people in our own communities that, sure. that join gangs or other groups. 
uh, you know, it's about wanting to feel accepted and to be a part of an organization. As you and say, it's been around forever. It's been around forever. The, but the difference, though, Bill, is you're right. And, and I agree with everything you've said, but it's just trying to understand that level of commitment to that belief system where you say, you know, this guy is right. The leader is right. Baghdadi is right. I should take this vest of explosives into this coffee shop and then push this button and kill all of these infidels because they all deserve to die. It's mass murder on steroids. It really is. And that's a thing I that doesn't compute with me that that does make me angry. I know we it is kind of the new normal of society now that we are really dealing with this, but the commitment to get into a place like the stadium, 80,000 people the commitment to get into there and to do that is beyond deplorable. It's, it's madness. It, there should be no excuse for it and no amount of patience shown if we catch him. But I can't understand how people buy in at that level. Right. And, the, you know, the, I mean, we could sit here and we could talk about this for the next week, really. And never uh, understand you know, it because it's it, not who we are. It's not, it's not. It's not a part of our ideology. Right. But... I'm not saying right, wrong, or indifferent. You have your own ideology. People mm-hmm. all have their own ideology. Sure. You have your own faith and spirituality. Sure. You, know, you know, all of those things. And so, um, you know, when you look at how committed of a people they are, um, the, the way that I look at it is in the equation, not only in their, their religious faith, mm-hmm. um, but we've we've seen the same thing in communism. I mean, look yeah. look at how that works. The government takes control of the people, that, you know, and they're promised that they're going to live in in luxury and have good things and be well taken care of and and all of that. And in the end of the day, you know, they're they're living in a in a mud hut, you know, and they're starving. They you know they're uneducated. All of these things. It's the age old axiom that the tool of the oppressor is the ignorance of the oppressed. And sometimes people have that Stockholm syndrome where they don't even understand that they're being held captive because they think they're actually a willing participant in what's going on. And that to me is sad. You know, the president said at his press conference the other day, one thing I actually agree with, with people looking at ISIS as it relates to a state, it's not a state. So we shouldn't think about warfare with them in the way we would with another country. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So we should do a lot of things differently, most of which we probably shouldn't publicize. No. But we definitely should. They're getting funding from somewhere because I think it's like a million dollars a day recently that I saw a report that they're, they're generating. Where's that coming? Oh, from stolen oil. Yeah. So then if we know they're stealing the oil and somebody's buying the oil... I mean, it, I'm not a detective. I didn't go to detective school, but I'm thinking, eh, it seems like there should be a line of thought there that someone could follow, maybe. Right. And when we know that they are hiding amongst refugees coming into countries, granted, the majority of the people coming are m- women and children. Nice segue, by the way. Yeah. So, with little babies mm-hmm. and five through, say, 12-year-old kids... Okay, maybe we can read that book a little easier. You can't discount the fact that a woman is going to be a terrorist anymore. And you can't dismiss people who say, I'm concerned about 
people who would carry out an atrocity of this magnitude living in the house next to me. How, how does that make you wrong if those are your thoughts? Well, let me tell you, if, if, if anyone believes that a 12-year-old can't blow you up or can't yeah. kill you yeah. uh, or at any age, uh, you're gravely mistaken. I mean, and that's, well, I and that's been right proven, yeah. proven time and time again. Uh, you know, just just alone in, on the continent of Africa, there mm-hmm. are many tribes, uh, yeah. you know, warlords that have, yeah. you know, abducted children. Yep. And, you know, I mean, you know the stories. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw it in, in Vietnam. Yep. We see it in the Middle East. So, you know, to say that it is, you know, middle-aged males, you know, they're the target, not nah, wrong answer. More than that. You know, it's, you have to look at, at every part of the population, men, women, and children. And, you know, part of the problem that we have as a society that is used to living in our own bubble and what happens outside of our bubble doesn't affect us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like my dog. Uh, if, uh, you know, he, he does this thing where he won't look at me, so he thinks that if he doesn't look at me, I can't see him, okay? Um, he's a former Marine, so it's okay. Yeah. The, the, um, he's a retired military working dog, so I don't want to offend any Marines. He's a, my buddy. But anyway, um, you know, it's, that, it's kind of that same type of deal in our community where, you know, if it doesn't affect us, if I live on O'Neill Lane and the Syrians that are coming to Baton Rouge are at the, the Catholic Center on Acadian Thruway, yeah. that's outside my bubble, you know, so it, I don't have to worry about that. Well, guess what? Yeah, you do. Okay. Yeah, it's and, the same thing with and, crime, with yeah. people thinking, you know, oh, I live in I live in a part of Baton Rouge. There's no crime. Yeah. Do you go to the store? Yeah. Do you go to the gas station? Yeah. You, you, know, you go to the movies, you go to the mall, of course it's going to affect you. Unless you live in your house and never leave and go anywhere, of course it's going to affect you. That's why everybody ought to care about it. Yeah, and it, and, but because of ignorance and a willingness not... And laziness. And, and yeah, laziness. Um, you know, and, and a thought process that, oh, nothing will ever happen to me, we're safe... You know, uh, no, you're not. Yeah. And, it, and it's not, I don't say that to stir up any anxiety no. or to worry people. But you know what? The days of not being concerned, the days of not being worried, yeah. the days of not having fear. And let me tell you, fear is good, Clay, because what that does is it keeps your head on a swivel and it keeps you on your toes. And, and you know, it, it reminds you that, you know what? You bleed when you get yeah. when, you, when you get cut or yeah. shot or blown yeah. up. And it, and you know, it's, it's very important for us to know these things. You know, as far as what's going on, you know, with the, um, the refugees, mm-hmm. particularly in our state, um, I've not gotten a, a, a true side, really, uh, to what's going on in Louisiana. Uh, I understand that we've only got 14, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, I was told the other day that the governor didn't even know that they were here or that yeah. our congressmen don't even know that they're here. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know. I think with all of that right now, I don't have all the facts. So I don't want to go off on a tangent all of that. But what I do know is that when the government says, and the State Department says that it takes 12 to 18 months for the vetting process to take place, if you do stupid math, and we'll call it infantry math, since I was an infantryman, <laughs> I'm going to have to take my shoes off so I can count to 20. The, as long as you don't have to count to 21, yeah, I hear that man, gets dangerous. I, yeah, that, that could get real 
nasty, actually. The, the, the thing is, you're a clown, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I wish did, everybody could see your face right now, man. Well, the look so, on your face uh, when you got that yeah. joke was class. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, you know, when you, when you look at when, so when everybody started fleeing Syria, you yeah. know, uh, and this, this crisis became a crisis, uh, we're not talking, and I, and I get it, it's been going on for four years, war, you know, Civil War's been going on for four years, but it wasn't made known to the public, if you will, that there was this, you know, uh, a rush of refugees uh, that were, you know, leaving and seeking asylum, mm-hmm. you know, in Europe. I mean, I, I, I wasn't aware of it, and I look at the news, you know, right. every day. That's right. And, and so now we're seeing it. So, you know, back to the fingers and toes thing, you know, if it takes 12 to 18 months in the vetting process, man, we're not even there yet. And you've got people that are coming to this country. And look, you know, I love people and you know that, that, that my heart is about taking care of people, especially our own, um, and people that are in a bad way. There are, as a reality, people in this world that will do harm to us or no to a country right. regardless of how they, they do it. You made the, the, the point of uh, you know, the, the bombing in the stadium or outside of the stadium, mm-hmm. how, uh, you know, with, uh, how much effort goes into that. And he wanted to get in oh. but was stopped by security forces yeah. who were on their game and look at what ended up happening there. Exactly. And, and ISIS has made it very clear that they want to use the Syrian uh, exodus, yeah. you know, as a means by which to to put their terrorists to infiltrate, to infiltrate yeah. and and get into Europe and into the United States. That alone tells me you don't need to come here. It's yeah, not. Right. It's not a racial thing. No. It's not. It's no, not no, that no. we don't care. No. Because let me tell you, I think we may have mentioned this last week. I'd have to go back and listen. If you don't take care of you first, mm-hmm. not talking about being selfish, right. if you don't take care of you, you cannot take care of others. Right. And that's applicable to any, any part of your life. I think you have to be smart. And that's all. Yeah, be smart. Yeah. I think if you can prove with a competent vetting process that someone and if you can prove that i i'd want to see the process but would you what i believe would you believe that someone who is a practitioner of islam is not a terrorist absolutely there are people that you know who practice it who, who are not you know gonna do that I have good friends I, I, that are from syria <laughs> and and are muslims absolutely so, I mean, it's not, you know. so i i don't think that is that's not the issue no if, if there was no ISIS, we, and if they had not said that this is a way that they are using to get in, then we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Because no. there are people who come into the country seeking asylum from all kinds of countries, all kinds of places. Mm-hmm. It happens. But specific to this, we do have the right to be concerned because it isn't like the federal government has a long track record of getting things right. And being honest Just about saying. things. No, you're absolutely right. And, and that and that particular point is bipartisan. Yeah, and I, you know, I I truly believe in in democracy, 
democracy mm-hmm. and the process by which our forefathers established this con- uh, this country under the Constitution of the United States, which established a government um, that provides congressmen and women to act as representatives mm-hmm. on behalf of the people. Right. And, you know, if, if you want these people to come to our country, take it to the American people and let's vote on it. And you know what? At the end of the day, Clay, if the majority of the American people say bring them in, then you know what? That is an unalienable right that I we agree. have. Ain't going to happen. No, but I it's, agree. Not gonna, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, you know, the, I think even bigger than that is let us know. Let us know what's going on. That's it. It's not, you know, to, to wake up. This morning or tomorrow morning or yesterday, whenever it is, and see that we've got these, you know, whether it's Syrians or whoever, it doesn't matter. To see that this is taking place, and, and, and I don't care, you know, the security and you know, all that kind of stuff and let, letting things leak, that's crap, man. Yeah. You know, this isn't CSI or no. freaking Homeland. No, right. Let the American people know what's going on. Now, does the American people need to know everything that's going on no. operationally? No. Absolutely not. No. I think we talk too no. much. I think the government talks too yeah, much about too what much we're going to do. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? Why don't you ask the great state of Louisiana and every other member in the 54 states and territories of the United States of America mm-hmm. what they want to do? Right. Ask the people what they want to do. And if it's through the representation, through, uh, you know, through Congress and legislature, whatever, that's fine. They'll communicate that, and if they don't, guess what? We're going to actually ask you. You know, you're not going to be reelected. We'll put you out. But you know, th- that communication has to be there. You know, communication is a is a key part of battle. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, three fa- fundamentals: shoot, move, and communicate. In the war that we're in now, and if you think that we're not, you generally speaking. Man, you need to go ahead and snap out of it, okay? Yeah. Because we are at war. Yeah. The, the, we are, and I truly believe not being, you know, um, under some guise of uh, of conspiracy or anything like that. I, you know, I see us. We have, I think it's approximately 130 to 50 something countries involved in the fight against ISIS right now. I could be wrong about that. But man, it kind of sounds like World War II moving into World War III. Is that yeah. what I'm saying that we're at? No, I'm not. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But, you know, when are we going to as a world? Because evidently the people who are being blown up every day aren't willing to stop the people in their own country from doing these things. Let me tell you, I saw my son showed me a text. It wasn't a text, but it was a picture yesterday. Not to take away from the United States and 9-11 or from Paris in, in last week. Um, but it was a picture that the IDF had posted. Uh, and, I, and I thought it was, it, it was a, I thought it was a good representation and it was a, a good statement to say, you know what, um, this happens every day. Um, the picture was, uh, it said Paris, and then it had the date of um, the attacks last week. 11, it, 13, 15. Yes. And it had the <coughs> dates of 9-11. Yeah. Okay. And it was 11, 9. And it said Israel 24, 7. Wow. Okay. All right. And, and you know, um, wow. I, I, I think that that's, that's powerful, man. You know, the Israelis face wow. this, you know, on a daily basis. 
you know, against the Palestinians um, and everyone else that's around them. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's pretty poignant. Yeah. And, you know, look, do they sit back and, and not do anything about it? No. Do we sit back and not do anything about it? Yeah, we do. And so the, it's time for the people who are in charge, the person who is in charge that makes, he's the key decision maker, he needs to take a look around him. You know, there's concern about uh, catastrophic disaster, catastrophic risk, loss of civilian life. I'm not about women and children getting killed, man, but it's war. And that's yeah. what happens. And, and, you know, God forbid anything happen to my own kids or your kids or, you know, I don't want bad guys' kids sure. to get hurt either. Sure. You know, but don't freaking as long hide. as they're not as long as they're yeah. not involved in the deal. I mean, you know. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. But don't hide behind them either. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Grow a pair of freaking balls. Yep. And you know, instead of going and blowing up a bunch of people at a at a football game or soccer match, you know, let's go to war with soldiers. You know. <laughs> That's, no, that's they won't do that. that. No, but, you know, that's kind of that's kind of a, a yeah, pretty much, you know. So and by the way, 54 states and ter- 54 states and territories, he's including U.S. territory outside of the continent. I knew when I said that. it. it, it no, I wanted to come back to it because I didn't want people to think that, you know, uh, you know what you're talking about. You don't quickly, know how many people are in well, the country. Uh, quickly, I'll, I'll, this, the final question I'll ask this going forward. If you had on a scale of one to ten very interested in your answer to this and on a scale of one to ten ten being a guarantee what is the likelihood of some kind of terrorist attack on american soil again god forbid but on american soil again within the next four to five years in the next four to five years i would say that it would be probably an eight um that's pretty high. It's it's high, okay. And it, and look, the and if the you're wondering two, why I say four to five years, it's because of the cyclical changes of some of these groups and the possibility of something coming up after ISIS, ISIL, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And Ru- they're getting they're getting the crap pounded out of them right now. Yeah. And Russia's not going to back off because I think you could look at Vladimir Putin and not see someone who wants to cuddle with terrorists. Yeah. But eight is high. Eight is why high. Why do you why okay. do you think so? So. You know, I will tell you that I I believe that um, the majority, not necessarily all, but the majority of the systems that we have in place um, are good as far as, you know, thwarting those attacks. We have a tremendous amount of incredible men and women who Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, um, you know, just like soldiers do in foreign countries, they, they strap on their kit. And they go to war to, you know, to protect sure. uh, and defend the, the borders of our United States, uh, whether it's a three-letter agency or, you know, some of the department, uh, local, mm-hmm. law what have you. Um, TSA is another thing. I, you know, I think there's a lot of changes that could be made there. But um, They ought to give you, know, you a cigarette after you go through the the the, the – you know, line for everything for At what least goes a on. Hug. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't even <laughs> I mean, get a hug. So. It's like good grief. What did are you okay? Did you get everything you were looking for there? Yeah. You know? And it's free, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. It cost you cost you money. <laughs> cost um so it's eight, you know, even though we have systems in place, yeah. You you can't say, well, you know, over the next five years, mm-hmm. okay, um, that through 
increases in technology, uh, in capabilities, um, you know, in, in all of the various avenues to be able to detect, locate, uh, and put a stop to terrorism outside of the borders of this country. I mean, I, and I, my aid to you isn't necessarily, didn't say from outside the country, you said oh, no. attacks. Sure, okay? that, so, yeah. yeah. So within our own borders, we have a problem. And, it, and Those you boys have, in Boston were here for a little while yep. before they pulled that off. Yeah. Not, you know, not 10 years because they were young men, but yeah. they had been here long enough to know what they wanted to do. They sure were. And, and you know, you're seeing more and more uh, where, uh, and thank God, you know, uh, law enforcement personnel are, you know, stopping homegrown terrorists, you know, from, from taking action within but our own borders. how can you know? How can you know? If they're, if they're not on the grid, if they've not broken the law, if they're getting more savvy about where and when they communicate, how can you know? There, there are trails for everything. And I truly God, believe, I, hope so. I truly believe that inevitably someone messes up along the way there, you know, I mean, someone is going to talk, someone is going to buy something, do something, leave some type of trace, trace evidence. And it, I mean, that's, that's how our law enforcement personnel today, you know, are able to, you know, to, to stop, you know, people today. Um, and, you know, but it doesn't happen every time. I, you know, I don't know truthfully how, how engaged they were in tracking these, these cats in, in Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, today that doesn't really matter because the attack happened. You know, one of them has been killed. The other one has been sentenced to death. You know, they got the guys and no more attacks have happened. Yeah. What happens, though, as a result is that you have copycat, you know, uh, people that will go out and, and attempt to do the same thing whether it's for notoriety for their yeah. own, it, they're not even, you know, they don't even support Islam or Christianity or no, whatever it is. No, they no. just want to do it because they want to be famous. They're just whack I mean, jobs. It's, it's all psychological stuff. Yeah. And, and then there are people within our own borders who, who are fundamentalists. Look, we got Christians here in you know, the same way. Yeah. And, it, and you know, I, I would be uh, very concerned if we were having the same issues, you know, with, with another type of religion, you know, just, just like Absolutely. We you know, um, but at the end of the day, I, I, my answer to you is eight. Uh, you know, for the simple fact that we have people in this country now, you know, I, I truly believe that we have cells, you know, that are located within our borders. And, and our, look, our borders are porous. People talk about, you think? and I'm not going to jump on the Trump bandwagon, but, you know, when Trump and everybody else talks about, you know, uh, building up the, the border to the south, um, you know, that's all well and good. Um, and, and, you know, they're doing a good job. And in some of the areas yeah. along the, the southern border, they, they have done a tremendous job of, of limiting or putting a stop to. Yeah, you know, but there's Canada, out. too. Though, uh, yeah, you know? that place that, you know, people forget about it. Eh? Yeah, and, generally. And, you know, especially, uh, you know, Canada West. Very, very porous border. And let me tell you, Jihad Joe, okay, who is somehow makes his way from Afghanistan or Syria or wherever. I mean, have you seen the terrain over there? Do you think that some mountains in Canada, you know, and in the northern part of our country is going to stop these people? No. You know? No. No. They're used to that. They're used to climate change. They're used to terrain. I mean, all these things. I hope 
I've never said this to you before, but I hope you're wrong. I do too. <laughs> I know I do you too. do. It's like, I, you know, it's something. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's something we don't want to think about, but we have to. And you've got to look at it from a rational perspective. And you know, I hope that that eight, you know, it being a high number, you know, at least it's not nine or ten. Yeah. Um, you know, and I would like to see a reduction of that. I think that until the leadership in this country decides that enough is enough and that we put boots on the ground, which I firmly believe in, and I, I'm not for soldiers getting killed, mm-hmm. okay? Um, you know, but in, in, in war, bad things happen. That's why it's war. And if people, just like during World War II, when men would lie to, you know, about their age so that they could join the military in World War II and they were going off as replacements, replacements being the guys that replaced the guys that got mm-hmm. killed, and there were a lot of them. Yeah. You know, we've lost that generation, and, you know, it, it's time to get back to that. If we as a people of the United States of America want to put a stop to it, then we're going to have to to stop this political correctness bullshit. Yeah, which and, has been and, so bad, yeah. and it's getting worse every year, it seems like. Like we were talking about earlier, even the discussion about how we – categorize what happened in Paris it's like are we are we really having this discussion right now I I mean if to me if you if I lost a loved one there I can't imagine the level of anger that are we having this discussion right now yeah well and and so you know does it hit close to home let me tell you one of the one of the ladies that was injured in the in the attack last week in Paris Lived in Baton Rouge, yeah, Louisiana. I saw that before she moved to Paris. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, pretty cool. Named her catering business Rock and Bowl, which great place in New Orleans called Rock and Bowl, which is yeah. a bowling alley, yeah. which has actually got a, a lot of military support. Um, but you know, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah, there's a person who has yeah. drank our water. Oh yeah, you know who has traveled our roads, swore in our swore, traffic, ab- absolutely. <laughs> you know, and 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 cussed at our heat, and, and you know that is reality, and it, and it doesn't have to be a mom, dad, brother, sister, or anything like that to to where it should have an impact on you. I agree, you know, a million percent. William Conger back again. So here's what we're gonna do. Uh, I do want to have you back again, but I'm going to I'm working on a field trip, a road show kind okay. of podcast. All right. And uh, got a couple guys in mind. This is going to be a um, kind of a guys guys show. I mean, all right. So I'm letting the cat out of the bag a little bit. Is I'm actually involved, Scott uh, Overby. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. You know, we, we had a vote. Last week about that. Thank you for bringing it up about Scott. And, you know, everybody voted against him coming to the show. I don't know what that's yeah, about. It, well, I mean, the sad thing was which you made the nomin- you made the, the, the motion to vote him off the island. And I was surprised. No, we're kidding. Scott Overby is a great guy. Absolutely is going to involve him. He doesn't man, know, know yet, what you're talking but, about. He you know, that guy, that great guy. <laughs> Is I'm not gonna for security are you reasons. Go I have won't dinner tell over you there where later he on? is, but he is on an island right now. Is he and on an island right now? And where are you and I? Oh wait a minute! He did say he was going to be on an island. Yeah, I asked him to bring something yeah, back yeah. for me. He's supposed to. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, so yeah. yeah, he's definitely got to come. He's definitely got to come. Yeah, but don't worry. It, it's something I'm working on, and right. I think it'll be an, an away from the office kind of Is show. Is this going to turn into the Clay and Willie show or what? I don't know. I don't know. That name terrifies me. It does. Uh, I, I, but <laughs> <laughs> Amanda's laughing in the background. That's terrifying. Let me tell you what. There is nothing better I have found than the laugh of a South African. Oh, my gosh. She has got, she's got a, an incredible is, oh laugh. Oh, my gosh. An incredible okay. accent. Okay, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the room now, right, Orlando. You know, come, come, come here, come here, come here, come here. You know, so, so it, 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 you know, I don't think he even knew you were there before he I said didn't. it. She and the, snuck up. And the moment he knew you were there, that was the line, you know. <laughs> like, she's laughing so hard, she's tearing up. That's just, that's unfortunate. Is, is that what that is? You're blushing? Oh, my gosh. What's your response to that? Um, I'm speechless. Speechless. Back to wrap up in just a moment. Clay Young and John Fabry here with Infinity of Baton Rouge and Infinity of Lafayette. You know, John, when it comes to buying a pre-owned car, people don't want to make a mistake. Well, that's right. And that's why we try to get as much information on each car as we can. We sell cars that start in the Mm $5,000 price range. mm -hmm. We sell a lot of cars under $15,000. And those type of cars, we obviously we check them over before we put them on our lot. Sure. But we also provide a buyer or someone looking in the market with a complete evaluation from our technician of what that car needs, if it needs anything, what we've done to it, and along with a Carfax and any other history that we have for the car. So it helps people make a good solid decision when they're buying a car and don't lose any money in the process well, absolutely and you know, we want to put as good a product out there as possible and give people as much information as possible check out the pre-owned selection of cars and suvs at infinity of baton rouge and infinity of lafayette welcome back to the clay young show so there it is, a great conversation with Bill Conger, who was kissing up to Orlando there. That, 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 well. That's right, a great <laughs> one as well. And so we did talk about doing a show out and off the air. I told him a little bit more about that. And so you got to be there. So of course. Y- y- yeah. I'm your right hand man. <laughs> that, that, that's exactly right, who happens to be a woman. Who so happens to be a woman? <laughs> so, you know, we, there's a possibility. I don't know if it's going to happen next week, but there is a possibility. That next week's show could, I'm not sure yet, so don't hold me to it, could involve Anna and Condon. I mean, it's my birthday. (laughs) Just saying. You know, the last time they were here, it was just chaotic. And, you know, Condon is already going a million miles a minute. I'll actually be able to make this one. Oh, that's right. And so Anna will be rare form, rare, rare form. (laughs) All right, we're getting out of here. Hopefully you guys get out and vote if you're listening to this before Election Day. And if not, hopefully you have voted. It's your responsibility to get out and cast your vote. And we'll catch you next time on The Clay Young Show on iTunes, The Talk 107.3 and podcast25.com. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.